0: My name is Mark Evans DM, and I'm here to inspire you to go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profits.
1: Welcome to the Go Big to Give Big podcast, where we are challenging six figure earners to become seven figure givers. My name is Randy Mullen, and each week, my co host Steve Arneson and I are interviewing successful entrepreneurs. Professional athletes, philanthropists, and other high performing humans that are inspiring us with their stories. We go deep into uncovering how they have become successful and why generosity is an impact they want to leave on this world. Our mission is to have you leave this podcast wanting to go bigger with your dreams and goals so that you can give bigger with your profits. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into it. Okay. Today's guest just got me absolutely fired up, and I am so excited for you guys to hear what Mark Evans DM has to say. If you've never heard of this guy, he is the definition of go big to give big. This guy eats, breathes, and sleeps business and philanthropy, and he aligns so much with what we talk about in the sense of what is the point of building a big brand or company if you're not going to do good with it? He runs multiple eight-figure businesses. He is a business mogul, angel investor. He has built an entire village in Haiti, as well as he donates profits from his 10-time best-selling books to people in need. Come on. This guy does it all. In this episode, we talk about how Mark is a man of his word and why that means so much to him. We talk about what Care360 means. We talk about how he is giving away seven figures inside of his new acquisition, and we also ask about his family and how he plans to pass down his wealth to his kids. This episode is so inspiring, and Mark is such an incredible human that I want to make sure that you stay tuned for the whole episode because you won't want to miss a single thing that is said by him today, and I couldn't be more excited for you guys to listen to what Mark Evans DM had to share with us. Thank you so much for coming on the show, dude. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. After each episode, we, we ask our guests offline who they can make an introduction to that kind of fits our podcast. And we had two of our early guests recommend you to come on to our podcast. There must have been a reason for it. And I'm excited to dive in and learn a little bit about your background. And along the way, I can truly see why this is going to be a, a good episode. I would love to start By going back and diving into when you're 18 years old, you're buying a gutter company and just curious, what got you so fascinated with being an entrepreneur at such an early age?
0: Honestly, man, again, thanks for having me, but I was an entrepreneur before it was cool. Everyone's an entrepreneur now. I don't think most people even know what entrepreneur means, the true definition. But I grew up in a small town, Ohio, seeing my parents suffer about money every day of my life. And the way I was always very solution driven. I hated school. I wanted to get out go make money and, and provide and provide provider. From the time I can remember five, six, seven years old, I was doing something to hustle. Like he might've been at school or whatever, but I grew up in a construction family. My dad did construction. My mom was a admin for a company and I just knew how to build a house. By 10 years old, I was on job sites with my dad often on the weekends. It's just, it was, you work hard, you work hard with your back, not your brains necessarily, even though you gotta be smart to do that kind of work, by the way, it's not like you're dumb just different types of smarts. So seamless gutter company, man, I drove by this truck multiple times in my hometown. Keep in mind it's 660 people, so it's very small. <laughs> and the truck just sit there. He was in business for 16 years. And I stopped by, it was two days after high school. And I was like, man, my uncle wants to buy it. That was a lie. I was a white lie, white tell a lie. So <laughs> it was really me. And I was like, man, why would this guy listen to me and believe me and all that fun stuff. And then the next day I stopped by and said, hey, I'm actually interested, here's the deal. And the guy got in a bad car wreck, so he couldn't climb ladders anymore. So seamless gutters, I knew how to do it. Water runs downhill and started on the journey, man. That's it.
1: That's, that's so cool. I, I love that. And so after you bought the gutter company, you started getting in and, and obviously became a very successful real estate investor along the way. What kind of transitions did you hit in, in that journey? What, what sparked you to find real estate? What sparked you to want to scale bigger and think bigger along the way to, to become the person you are today?
0: Yeah, I think. Listen, I think a lot of people are too busy thinking about being bigger, not necessarily doing the work to become bigger. I always understood it was a process, it was a journey, and I fell in love with the journey. I always knew and always will be a part of the journey. I think we all think we're going to a destination. Oh man, when I make a hundred grand a year, I'm going to hit the destination. Really, all it is is a checkpoint in the journey, and we can get so infixiated on that where we forget why we're really doing this. Kind of takes the joy away. But for me. I was doing gutters. I kept meeting this guy. I'm doing all this work for him. He's smoking cigars. I'm driving a Porsche and paying me. And I'm like, dude, what do you doing? He's like, I'm a real estate investor. I'm like, I don't know what that is, but that's what I need to do. And obviously, I understand real estate. I had no money. I had no cat. I was 18 years old. And uh, so, these are seminar days. Back in the day, you'd watch infomercials and uh, go to a three-day event. I went to a three-day event, sit down, and I said, I can do that. And I went and did it. <laughs> that's it.
1: That's that's so cool because that's so relatable to Steve and I's story of we're real estate investors and we just came up through the same thing, started a little bit entrepreneur side, and then went and did a three-day course and jumped into real estate.
0: Yeah. That's what's amazing to me, man. It's it's like us three are sitting here. We actually went out and did something with the information and knowledge is probably 95% of people don't, and they make an excuse of why it doesn't work or it's this coach didn't teach me everything I need to know. I think the biggest thing we have as a real entrepreneur gift is we're not, we don't quit. We just keep going. There's bad days in this. It's just not always easy. It's not always a sexy thing. What is the alternative quitting? <laughs> it's, it's not happening on our dime. That's for sure. It's just not in my DNA, Mark. Yeah. yeah.
2: What was yeah. it about real estate or what, what throughout your, your career now in this space, what's your favorite thing about real estate and having that as a, a major piece in your portfolio?
0: Again, I don't care about real estate. At my life, at my journey, real estate just whatever to me. It's an asset class. I look at real estate like people look at bottles of water. I've done over 10,000 transactions. My team and me collectively have done over the years. I used to love going to Home Depot, picking out the doorknobs and the handles and like the drywall. Oh my gosh, this is the paint collar. No, no one has this and whatever. But real estate, the truth is, man, it's just a great asset tool. It's a king of the dipshits. You can totally, anybody can get involved. If you have the guts to go out and do it, you can make it happen. And I don't care what your background is. I don't care what you look like. If you have determination and grit and a a plan, you can execute it and generate a lot of money in real estate investing. Us not quitting is something that actually holds us back from growing as well. I know this is all about going big, so we can talk about that later. But for me, real estate was always a simple path. It's tangible. We can see it. Keep in mind, I was selling $100,000 jobs as an 18-year-old kid doing siding windows, gutters, roofs, all that. And take something ugly and turn it into pretty. I already knew how to do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So for me, it seemed pretty simple. It's just a natural extension. It was very scary. I had no clue what I was doing, but I went to these courses and did it.
2: <laughs> That's awesome, man. And, and I'm curious, actually, like we're, we're recording this in May, 2022. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on the conditions of our market today and going forward over
0: the next yeah, man. The truth is I don't think about that stuff. Here's why. I thought three years ago, the thing was going down and then the pandemic hit and then that switched everything. I live in Florida. Everything's two, three X and it's all cash, no financing, no contingencies. If you don't have cash offer, it's not getting accepted. What used to cost 1 million in this complex is now two and a half, three million. half, 3 million. So this is very normal. And I also think it depends on what market you're in. I think it depends on what strategy you're deploying in your game. Are you doing single family resident, you know, are you doing Airbnb Are you doing apartment complex, you know, storage facilities, trailer, mobile home parks. There's so many, I, that's the scary part about real estate is there's so many niches and you're like, oh, I do this, 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 and this, and this. But those are actually all multiple businesses. Those are different business models in the vertical. And uh, you need different lawyers. You need different project teams. You, there's a lot of variables to all this stuff. But in regards to the market, man, I think uh, be smart. <laughs> I think there's a lot. I think there's uh, going to be some. Ch- it's not just the real estate market. I think it's the global financial market. I think people get scared shitless in real estate because of the financial sector. Stock market's plummeting, crypto's going down. They're like, oh my god, I have no more money because they're fake rich because it was on paper that they're rich, but now they don't know how to handle their emotions. They're not executing their plan. The the market's throwing them off, so people just get scared and start selling and sell to the bottom. However. In certain markets too, man, hedge funds are cleaning up. Hedge funds are making, propping the market up, making it look way stronger than it is. That's been going on for a long time though, depending on what market you're in. And if you're a seller, it's a good time. If you're a buyer, probably not so good time, depending on what your strategy is.
2: Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree more. And best thing about it, be smart, be patient. You mentioned it, and I think that it's it's an important topic to, to un, unfold here a little bit. Especially in real estate, there's lots of different niches, as you said. You could be Airbnb's, storage, multifamily flippers, developers, etc. That can be implied to basically any different, you know, industry of business.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: For young entrepreneurs, would you suggest to double down on just one particular niche in that in that set, or have a little bit of a wider net to cast? Maybe like betting against odds, almost of mm-hmm. uh, do a few things, find out what fits well and works, and is your passion and then go ahead or just stick to, to your tracks and move ahead forward.
0: That's a great question. The answer is, it depends on who you, the person you're talking to is. See, the thing is, as you guys know, a lot of people can't handle certain types of stress and pressures and what is their unique ability? I always start on the reverse. What is your unique ability? What's your goal and what's this look like? What size is your team? What's your cash positions look like? What's your financial wherewithal and everything in between. And if you don't have wherewithal on how to wholesale, you probably should not be diversifying into Airbnb rehabs and all this stuff. You don't know the difference from a gutter and a basement. Like you probably should not be doing rehabs. You're just gonna get smoked in that space. So a lot of people are trying to do the rehabs because they're like, if I wholesale the the rehabber makes a hundred thousand, I only make thirty thousand. So yeah, but you did nothing except bring a deal. They got to do all the work, take all the risk, and hope like hell it sells. <laughs> and not like that we're assuming people have a risk threshold because when you're rehabbing right now, if I was rehabbing projects, I'd be very, very, I'd be paying attention to everything because everything's very sloppy. Everyone's a genius rehabber and investor when things are great. Right now, the tide's starting to go out and you're going to see whose pants are down all the way to their knees, if they even have them on. So the market makes a lot of dumb people look very smart. I've seen this happen many, many times. I've been in the market since 1996, obviously 2006 to eight, nine, and all that fun stuff happened. We, we cleaned up because we were paying attention and we're conscious. But yeah, I think this is why having a great mentor and getting in a great mastermind group or both and understanding like what you're good at, where what, what your real, real value is to the marketplace. But honestly, man, I'm involved in all types of stuff. Syndication. I, I own multiple companies in many different verticals at this point, but I couldn't do that out of the gate. So if you're in one year, it's probably different. If you're in 20 years, probably a different conversation, you know?
1: I love a lot of your business antics. We can talk real estate probably all day with you, but just you as a businessman, you're very sophisticated and very smart. And one of the things I've heard along the way is you're just such a man of your word. And that's such a philosophy that's just built and integrated into you. Why is that such a big thing and how has that helped you become successful?
0: I believe in karma. I truly do believe in karma, good and bad. And man of my word, my parents are amazing human beings. They just never had financial wherewithal worked really hard. They said, do what you say you're going to do. And, and actually, you don't even talk about it, just go do it. You said you're going to do it, make it happen. My, I thank my parents for that, instilling that in me. And it's not always easy. I think the man of the word, again, it's cool, to, it's cool to say, oh, I'm a man of my word when everything's amazing. But when shit hits the fan, they're like, I'm not a man of my word anymore. So yeah, it's convenient. But I've been doing this man of my word thing for my whole life, let alone the last 26 years in business. And the truth is, man, I think it's, I look at the world as the universe testing us we're all, we all have our stuff together until things get a little tight and a little hard. And then it's okay. This is a test. This is the whole saying a lot of people say, is life happening to me or for me? I look at this as an opportunity to grow and lean into and become a better human being.
1: What's like one or two other business philosophies that you follow that are just true to Mark?
0: I don't know necessarily. I don't think about that stuff. I just execute I'm huge on giving, right? Full circle givings are number one, Care360 is actually our number one core value in every company. So our philosophy and and core values tie in together. We're very giving, we care about the clients greatly. I think if they're, the truth is if our clients aren't winning, we're not winning because I'm looking at long-term relationships. Our biggest, one of our, another philosophy is we're in this game forever. I'm genuinely not going to, I'm always going to be in business for my whole life until I die, literally today's conversation, 20 years from now, I'm thinking where we're going to be, not this conversation out of the gate. 20 years from now, we're sitting in the Caribbean laughing about, man, you remember that podcast I had? We, we took this and now we're doing a million dollars a month from it and blah, blah. Like that to me is that that's exciting. I, f- I fell along with the journey a long time ago and I'm not here for money. I'm here to help people. So I think that's a big thing too, is we don't need your money. We want it. We don't need it. We're a business. We're not Mother Teresa over here. Our philosophy is just stay in the game and, and do the right thing. And, uh, and, and another thing too, is the leadership, I don't work, they don't work for me. We work as a team. We're a team. We're a unit. Tom Brady's only as good as a center and his cornerbacks and his receivers and everything else. And if the defense doesn't do a good job, Tom Brady can't do a good job. Like if we're not all in this together and understand that we're strong as our weakest link, we have to up, uplift people and get people on the same boat, rowing in the same direction. You
2: mentioned care 360, unpack that for us. <clears throat>
0: Yeah. Care 360, man. Number one, you got to care for yourself, right? If you don't care for yourself, no, whatever you care about will not exist because you're going to be dead and gone, overweight, not unhealthy, alcoholic or whatever. Unfortunately, that happens to a lot of people. So we don't care 360. You got to really get conscious of your, your efforts of where you're at today in your life and then care for your people, care for your clients, care for your country. So some people, they just want to care for their family. Some people want to care for their community. Some people want to care for the country. Some people want to care for the world. And we we have a big voice. We have big purpose and big missions in our life and our companies. And uh, we're pushing down that throttle every day. Even on our book sales, 100% of the profits go to charity. If someone in our company, any of my companies, message me and say, hey, man, so is hurt. I'm going to donate $1,000. We match them, no questions asked. We don't ask questions. If you're willing to put up, we're going to match you. And uh, we have a whole saying you can't outgive the world. So we got to start somewhere, though. Why not start with ourselves? Yeah,
2: amen to that. You mentioned that you came from from fairly humble beginnings. Mm-hmm. What was your mindset then, and how has it changed over the years around money?
0: Listen, I think I've always wanted to be rich. I watched Lifestyles on the Rich and Famous and a trailer board on a big screen TV that my parents bought, which is crazy. But I always, I always wanted wealth. I always was intrigued by Ferraris and Corvettes and Rolls Royces and big houses and helicopters and jets. It's just always something that's really intrigued me. Obviously, those are very materialistic things, but as a poor kid sitting in a trailer, I needed something to drive me. If I didn't have those materialistic things, I would not be where I'm at today because that's what got me going. Keep in mind, I didn't get my first Rolls Royce for the first 12 years of business. I delayed that gratification. I could have bought that thing many, many, many times over, but it was just something that like, kept me going. Um, with that said, though, I drove that Rolls Royce in my head hundred, tens of thousands of times because I I'd get in my junky truck and I drive around to job sites and no one knew I had a dime. And uh, as I'm driving with no AC, with the windows down, I'm thinking about the Rolls Royce, how it smells, how it feels, people looking at me, like all that stuff. And then one day it became real when I turned 30 years old. But I, I think, listen, I, I almost went bankrupt twice in my young 20s because I didn't understand money. I, had, I knew how to make it. I didn't know how to keep it and preserve it and grow it. So I think I, didn't ha- I never had a financial mentor. I always learned how to make money. I never learned how to, like I said, preserve it and grow it. So I had, until I got a financial mentor, nothing changed. Making it and spending it. Cause that's how I knew how to do it. I knew how to spend it. Cause if you don't have money, you don't have to worry about managing it. <laughs> so I'd make 10,000 and go spend 10. But thank God I nipped that in the butt and never went bankrupt. And, but man, money's, money's limitless. It's endless. There's so much money. It's abundant at the highest level. And uh, the difference with money today in my life is I used to think, you know, how do I make a hundred grand working hours? Not necessarily value. I can make a hundred grand with value, not maybe working an hour as opposed to working back in the day. It's like, Oh, we're 16 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And this is how much I need to make per hour to do that. I'll miss vacations. I'll miss this. I'll miss that. So for me, man, money is a, money's a tool. It allows me, I'm chasing time. I'm not chasing money and money buys time.
2: You mentioned the three different steps of money where there's earn, protect and grow. For those who are probably still in the earn aspect of things, can you just quickly touch on the other two and what the difference of perception you need to have to, to create those two?
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm not an expert at this. Uh, I still have great coaches. I have fiduciaries and everything helping me here and great financial advice, but earning it is it's pretty simple. Protecting it, right? You got to protect it, meaning putting it into environments that can grow um, not to say there's not losses. I think one of the biggest lies people perpetuate in their brain is, uh, I see people posting, Warren Buffett says, rule number one, don't lose. Rule number two, don't follow rule number one, don't lose money. I would not be here if I did not lose money. I, there's no way, I've, I've never met anybody that's successful in any way, shape, or form that hasn't lost money. It, it sounds cool on paper, but it absolutely, it, it holds people back. So they're stutter stepping their way. So they think protecting it is putting in the bank. That's not protecting it. That's being silly. You got, you're being naive. So to me, protecting it is doing your best due diligence as possible, making decisions very quickly once you have your de- data, not drama, is really what I'm saying. Once you have the data, execute, if not, say yes or no, move on. Too many people are stuck in between. They're like, maybe, what if this, what if, and then by the time they're ready to pull the trigger, the opportunity is already gone. More people are missing de- deals by indecision than decision. And then what's the other side of it? So we have protect and then grow. Is that it? got to grow in investments, man. You got to be a part of investing. But I think people are too quick to the trigger to go and put it in deals, depending on the amount they have to invest. I think they need to be investing more in themselves. They need to be investing more in their marketing. They need to be investing more in their employees before they start investing in multiple assets. Your team will make you a lot of money if you understand how to do it. Your marketing is an investment, not an expense if you know what you're doing. So I think a lot of times people are trying to be me on my chapter 20 when they're on chapter one. I have people and I have, I've been through the journey. And I see a lot of people doing that. They're trying to mimic someone where they're at, not necessarily where they're
1: at. Very cool. And I want to jump into leading into the transition of our our giving component here. As I saw, you were sharing that you just bought a, I think it was like a pet company or a pet food company, one of the two. And in there, you were sharing about how you were going to add a giving component inside of that and that you're going to scale the company and in turn was going to scale your giving. What does that look like when you're going in to acquire an asset, boost it up, and then add a giving component into it?
0: Yeah. Any, anytime I'm looking to acquire a business, I'm always asking first, can, can my unique abilities that enhance the business? It's either yes or no. In this particular situation, it could. And then I ask another question, how, what giving components are available to give at another level? Like one, they're not even giving now. So we're actually going to add that immediately. And that could give a lot of money, just, just that one component. And then I'm a business guy and marketer as well. Guess what? When you're giving and you're a part of that, you're going to give, you're going to talk about that in marketing and people are going to like that. They're going to appreciate that and respect that. So they're going to tell their friends and they make more money and we give more money. So again, it's Care360. We're thinking about that at all terms. How can we give back to foundations and such? Because this is a pet company in the dog space. Therefore, no kill shelters. Who wants to kill a dog? It's a great story. It's a great mission. And it's something we care about. And our goal is to give seven figures a year away to these charities and organizations. And by doing so, we'll increase revenue, we'll we'll get the team inspired around the message and we'll make a, a bigger impact on it as a collective.
1: You've talked about leadership a few times in here and then you just brought up the team and the impact it has around it. In your circle of influence, how does giving impact the team that's around you and your employees. I don't want to come employees, so you don't think that, but your team that's underneath you.
0: Listen, I think a lot of people, they're talking about things, but they don't lead by example. So I've been giving for a long time silently and I still do. I still do a lot of silent giving, but there are messages that you need to be talking about it out loud so you can inspire other people. I never knew what giving looked like. I thought giving was going to church and putting $20. Well, actually everyone get where I'm from gives a dollar in the thing, but I used to go and hold a twenty dollar bill and flash it and drop it in there, so everyone was watching. <clears throat> I thought it was a big time giver because I was paying attention to what everyone else was giving, and I was twenty xing what they're giving. I have a great group of people. I've put myself around and in influence, and I have a lot of peer pressure, positive peer pressure. We're trying to outgive each other. It's a it's a good thing to do. And a lot of times, people hear peer pressure and see the negative side of it, but there's a lot of positivity to it in the right environment. But giving, man, is it's one. Of the, I think it's a power. It, for me, it's very powerful in many levels for the team to see me giving, talking about through the, I've done the, we've given, I don't know how many houses away, a lot of houses away in, in multiple villages in Haiti as well. I gave away, I think nine houses away to homeless veterans in the States. That's very expensive and timely, but uh, there's a lot of giving. There's a lot of ways to give too, time, energy. I don't necessarily have the time to give, but I definitely give the money. I like to give the money.
1: That's incredible. Walk us through the, the Haiti project. What does that look like? Like, How do you get inspired to go somewhere like that? And I want to give some context to this. People want to start giving. They just don't know what it is. Maybe they just start donating to their local charity. Maybe they start doing a little bit of time somewhere. But they, I'd say deep down, people always aspire to look at that of like, I want to go change the world somewhere. I want to go to Haiti and rebuild. I want to do that. How did you get there and what did it look like?
0: Listen, I started off donating to Girl Scouts and eating cookies. <laughs> no, in all seriousness. So 2006, I met this guy named Frank Caring House Project Foundation. I had my first book coming out in November. I wanted to tie it in with charity where 100% of the net proceeds would go to prop charity. And uh, we launched the book and we sold lots of books and I gave a lot of money away. And I met him, went to his house, gave him the big check, all that fun stuff for photography and all that, and started having a conversation. The truth is I didn't want to give to Haiti. I was like, man, I want to keep it in America. I want to give to my people, our people. And I sit down, again, this is why it's great to have, be around other people. I sit down and had a conversation with him. It was genuine about it. My real thoughts. And he's like, man, are people created equal? I said, yeah, he's like, we can do a lot more impact in Haiti than we can do in America. And I promise you that's true because America, we're lazy. <laughs> and we, we have massive expectations. Like you don't see people running around in Haiti with cell phones everywhere. And so I always said, I ended up going to Haiti in 2007, I think. And meeting, like seeing what the impact is, is very emotional at a high level. We're seeing kids with the big bellies because they're eating salt patties and they're living literally on trash pits and that's their life. Like this is how they've grown up their whole life. It just inspired me to want to give back more and, and, and turn it into something bigger.
2: It's beautiful, man. I can only imagine the emotional impact that had on you. And did you, did you take your family with you at the time? Like,
0: No, not yet. My, I didn't have a family back then. I had my wife, actually my girlfriend then. But no, I went over there with a bunch of colleagues in business and uh, we were going over there to see the part of the village that we were actually putting together back then mm-hmm. uh, with our charity donations to the books and all that. But uh, when my kids get a little older, I'll definitely be over there to show them. Like I'm very conscious of that, raising kids with money, like, kid, like making sure they understand like, hey, this is not normal. You're on jets every day, you're on yachts or whatever. Like this is, this is not a normal life. And uh, being, having them understand that, not to punish them because they didn't do that. We did that but to have them have an understanding and kind of a, like a thermostat. Okay. This is where you're at. And uh, this is, we're very thankful for where we got for sure. Can,
2: can you unpack that a little bit more even in, in what's the messaging that you're giving to your kids? You live a, a great lifestyle and, mm-hmm. and I think all of us have this, like you inspire us to, to, to live the same lifestyle.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: for, for those of us that, that have kids, Randy and I don't, but it's just a, it's a really interesting question on how to with your influence influence that next generation to continue the legacy and, and not be jaded by the the higher lifestyle that you have.
0: Yeah. Listen, as I'm speaking to you, my two kids, the ones he's six and a half, my daughter just turned three. They're outside cleaning the golf cart. They want to work. They see dad work. I I get up every morning at four o'clock ish, seven days a week kind of thing. They see me move and they don't necessarily see me go to an office, but they definitely know I'm in the uh, upstairs working and all that. But You know, I'm actually working on a book for that this year of raising kids with money, and I'm talking to a lot of people that are worth way more money than me—billions of dollars—to people are worth hundreds of millions of dollars, and so forth. So it's—I don't—I'm not looking to give my kids any money. The truth is, I want to give them experiences. I want to give them tools to be successful, because we're assuming as entrepreneurs, our kids will be entrepreneurs. That might not be the case, and I'm fine with that. But and and there's things I've set up with my fiduciaries. If my son wants to be a firefighter. That's not a well-paying job, but I might match him double because he's doing something big. So he makes 150 grand a year instead of 75 grand a year through the fu- trust or fund or whatever I set up if I even do it. I really don't want to give my kids money. I don't know where I'd be if I had money when I started out in the game. And I know you can make money and chase your dreams and goals without it if you do the work. So I don't want to rob my kids of that. But me and my wife were hanging out the four seasons yesterday. It's a true story. And we we're talking this is the exact subject we're talking about. It's like, how can we give our kids? I don't want my kids to be like, I want them to pursue to fail. I'm looking, I fail all the time. And when you're around money, sometimes you're like, oh, it's just money. No big deal. We used to want to be millionaires. Now it's like billionaires. Kids want to be billionaires. It's like normal. which well, is crazy. I want to teach them. I, I don't want them like, man, I want to go big, but I don't want to lose it. So I'm just going to hang out here and be small um, and be okay with life. I want, them to real, I want them to fail. I want them to fall on their face. I want to watch them bleed. I want to watch them get up and wipe it off and get, go bigger. I want them to, I want my heart to be there easy. That's the truth. And as we push them and give them the tools, man, like I, I'm always, I want them to be critical thinkers. By the way, what we say is not always right. I want them to be critical about it. I want them to have their own thoughts. I want them to drive, drive the ship, but you know, it won't serve them well as a kid, <laughs> but as they get older, it definitely serves them because they're like, no dad, that's not right. And it's like, okay, it's right today. Let's go. But, uh, you know, that, that, it's a journey, man. It's not easy. It's a process. That's for sure.
1: One of the things you mentioned earlier is that you're writing a book. And I know you've got a lot of books out there. What does writing books serve you? And how is it serving other people?
0: Listen, if you saw my shelves, dude, books changed my life. Thinking Grow Rich was the first book I read at 17 years old. I was like, oh my gosh. These are words from the 19, early 1900s. Thinking about someone, you, all both of you guys could write words down. And it's, I know a lot of these words are like, yeah, whatever. Everyone knows that. Maybe they do, but they have not seen the book, you know, and I've met many people now that have read books of mine and I get messages every day, dude, Let this book changed my life and these words, the stories are relatable. This made sense to me or whatever. Everyone writes different. Everyone reads different. Everyone's reading at different times. Maybe you're reading because you're excited. Maybe you're reading because you're sad, Maybe you're reading because you're having challenges. I'm looking to sell a company right now. I'm reading, I've bought every book under the moon, how to exit, what to look for. Like I'm taking someone's knowledge for $15. I can buy a book and learn something that they bought. This guy's done $20 billion in exits and I'm learning stuff from him through his words. So I think this is a lost art where people are not reading as much or listening and it's okay to listen to audiobooks too. For me, man, it's, I never read a book until I I was thinking to grow rich. I never read a book in school ever just was not fun to me. And anyway, I don't care about what was the book everyone had to read back in the, I forget the story of the book in high school, but people mocking, to kill a mockingbird or whatever bullshit they had you read. I'm like, I don't care about this. I want to read about money. I want to be about growth. But think about think and grow rich. Think about like rich dad, poor dad. These books will change people's lives. I'm actually writing these books for my kids. You know, these are like journeys. This is dad in 2006, seven, eight, nine. I've done 12 books, I'm about to be 14. And each book is an evolution of my life and my journey. Any idea
2: what kind of financial impact you've been able to have by donating in the proceeds of your book?
0: Oh, I have no clue. It's a good question. It's It's, it's got to be seven figures. Easy. Um, amazing. The cool thing about the book too, it's not just the impact of the direct impact of the donations from the book, but it's also for the people that get inspired to donate. I just had a guy last week message me. He was on the beach and he's like, dude, I just... I, I, I love the message about Frank McKinney and I, he donated an entire house. It's $5,500, I think, or 6,000 just because he read the book and he was inspired. So how often is that happening? These are just people telling me. Most people don't talk about it, they just do it. Yeah, I, I hope it's millions. I'd like it to be hundreds of millions, <laughs> but that's what we're working for.
2: That's awesome. I just have one other question before we transition <sighs> to our rapid fire giving round, but take a second and, and tell us a story, kind of brag on yourself a little bit. Tell us a story of what one of your favorite moments of giving has been that still brings you goosebumps today when you think about it.
0: Yeah, man. August 19, 2015, remember playing his day because it's when my son was born and I got to met. My son was born. We did home births, by the way, which is a really cool experience. If you guys haven't had kids yet, if you can get your wife on board or oh, it's amazing. I, I've always been different. Home birth, homeschool. We were doing all that stuff before it was even like talked about thinking it was cool. But August 19, 2015, he was born. I got a message via email. Through the Caring House Project Foundation. The school couldn't open up because they didn't have desks and chairs for the kids in school. And I made a donation on my son's behalf. So, so it's a cool piece that he was a part of that. I, I probably wouldn't have done that if he wasn't born. It was like, a just actually, I probably would have. This was on behalf of my son, not me, for him coming into the world. So he was coming into the world out of the gate hot <laughs> by giving some, setting expectations at another level on his head. Yeah, that was a cool moment. It was not a big, it was not big either. It might have been. I want to say three grand or four grand somewhere around there, but it was more of the, what it could do for the kids sitting in there. I think about the kids instead of sitting on the floor, doing homework, thinking about the kids. I, I'm moving more into children's stuff, by the way, because I do have kids now back then it was more housing and helping a bunch of people. But now it's, I really like helping the kids side because kids don't have choices. Human adults do adults, homeless adults in America have a massive choice, even though we think they don't. There's a story painted that, Oh my God, poor them. Do they have, when you go to, Haiti, you realize they do have a choice and I've given nine houses away and it's not been the best experience to homeless Americans, but uh, children, they've been brought into this life without choices. And uh, it was a cool piece, man. It was a cool, I'm proud of that for sure.
1: And it sounds like it's something that you'll never forget. And what a, a cool experience attached to the birth of your child, as well as being able to impact people on the same day. I think that's a very cool way to just put a stamp on a monumental moment and something you'll remember forever. But I want to I jump into our giving round quickly. Rapid fire question, answer, super easy stuff. We'll start with the first question. Brag on one charity that you like.
0: Right now, uh, Caring House Project Foundation. I've been bragging about the whole time. It's awesome. Mm-hmm.
2: what would get you more excited writing a big fat $1 million check
0: and donating that
2: or spending a week physically helping others?
0: Oh, I'm writing the check, man. <laughs> Listen, I can go make a lot more money, make a bigger impact with the check. I, in all seriousness, I'm spending time with my family straight up. Like I, I know a lot of people love wanting and helping people. I think it's awesome. I'll do a day maybe, but a week I'm out, man. I, I'm writing the check and moving on.
1: I love that. There's a lot in this world we're learning of. There's those people that believe they can write big checks so that other people can go serve. And there's those people that can go out and serve that believe other people are going to write big checks for them. And it's super cool hearing those different answers. Who inspires you with their giving right now?
0: Who inspires? Dude, lots of great people. Lots of people in my network and the DM family and the DM Alliance and just the people I've met on the journey of 26 years going to masterminds and events. Um, just being inspired as we get older in the game too, we're we're gaining access to more wealth and we want to make bigger impacts. It's just enhancing who we are. So a lot of guys and gals inspire me every day. Like I want to lead by example, truthfully, I want to outgive them so I can show them the path. It's an interesting game we play, but it's, it's very powerful.
2: Do you think that businesses that are starting off should incorporate a give back component in them immediately from day one or wait until they've seen some success and have some money in the bank account already.
0: I think if you can't give when you have nothing, you can't give when you have something. Mm-hmm. This is a muscle. This isn't like a, a reactive thing. This is an active thing. I've been giving little amounts back when I had no money, I was giving time. Now then you start gaining money. Like it might not be necessarily money. It might be time. Um, and then I know you don't have time, especially when you're building a business But listen, if you're not making money today, you're in the wrong, you're in the wrong car. It's never been easier to make money. And then it comes down to priorities and understanding. And I'm not saying you got to go heavy. I think everyone should be giving. Dude, if you're not scared to give, you're not giving. Period. If it's easy to give, listen, this is not, giving is not about the other people. It's about you. The other people get the benefit of it, but you grow the most in giving.
1: Very cool perspective. Love Mm -hmm. that. When you hear go big to give big, what do you think?
0: With being a pussy. <laughs> but I think immediately, I don't even know that question was the question. But yeah, that's what I think, man. I think most people think they're big. I think, and I think most people think they give big and go big. So the truth is, who are you comparing against? You know, I think a lot of times, I call it the king of the dipshit mentality. There's five people hanging out in a room. All five people are making around the same amount of money. One person gets a 10 cent raise. Another guy gets a five cent raise. The guy making a 10 cent raise thinks he's a big king dingling. i so, was like, dude, listen, you're comparing that the wrong person. But again, what do you want out of life? I want to be pushed. I want to be the dumb guy in the room. I want to grow. So if I hear go big and give big, I think most people are playing absolutely massively small, including me. I still need to go way bigger and give way bigger. In one word,
2: describe the feeling you get when you give.
1: Peace. Peace. Beautiful word. And the final question we ask all the people, the age-old question Do you believe that money can buy you
0: happiness?
1: 100%.
0: (laughs) I believe I'm very happy. Money, listen, money can buy you happiness. It doesn't give you happiness. I think I I get, I'm very happy when I'm giving. I'm very happy when I'm making. Not me making money just for the sole purpose of making, but that means my team's working, our marketing's working, our, our clients are winning, and we're able to give more back. Out of context, it sounds very douchey. But the truth is yes 100%. Listen, it's, it's just money. A lot of people throw so much emotional money. Money's just a tool. I'm already happy with or without money, but I'm way happy when I got a lot more to give out. The people say that that talk about money not being making you happy, they just haven't given enough away.
1: Very true. Mark, thank you so much for coming on the show, dude. It has been such an inspiration in the the way you think so big and the way you give so big is the exact definition of why we wanted to create this podcast. How do people get into your communities, learn more about you, and just get around your circle so they can start thinking the same way you think?
0: Yeah, man. No, I appreciate it again. But they could follow me on social media anywhere at Mark Evans DM. They could always go to Amazon, type in Mark Evans DM, get the book Magician vs. me Economy. Those are the big sellers and to make a lot of impact in people. and But yeah, man, I appreciate it. And I'd love to, anything I do, I'm sharing this information every day on social. So love to help anybody.
1: Absolutely love it, dude. And I can attest that it's it's great. I followed some of Mark's content and I'm inspired by even just, like I said, that story about buying a a pet company and taking it and adding a given component and blowing it up. Saw that on social media and that's what attracted me right to you, man. So keep doing what you're doing. We appreciate you coming on the show and thank you again for joining us. Thank you, Randy. Appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to the show. If you know someone who's an example of go big to get big, we would love if you could share this with them. We want to get our message out to as many listeners as we can. And it all starts by having people like you share it with your friends. Also, if you enjoyed the show, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star review. It's a simple act of giving that is free for you, helps us grow our message, and in return, allows others to find us sooner. And until the next episode, remember, always go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profit.